Hello, everyone. Welcome back to New Hope Radio. We are in a series entitled, The Story of Redemption in the Old Testament. Really good series because it brings together the Old Testament and the work of Christ on the cross in the Gospels, in the New Testament. So I hope you can stay with me for the whole week. It's a five-part series, and I'm bringing you the sermon sample from church. It's not a live radio presentation, but it's a sermon from church. It's our Wednesday night service, midweek service. Today we're going to see the introduction of faith through Abraham. God is going to in- introduce a new way of relating to him, and it's through faith. And Abraham is our example. So let's get ready, buckle up, and let's really learn the importance of faith. And we're going to learn also about the Abrahamic covenant right here on New Hope Radio. We ended last time in Genesis chapter 11 with the Tower of Babel. And what we're doing, we're watching this divine chess match between God and Satan. God makes a move, Satan makes a move. God makes a move. Satan makes a move. When we studied the Tower of Babel last time, that was Satan's move in the divine chess match. And um, that Tower of Babel was symbolic of the pride and arrogance of mankind. God told them to fill the earth, but instead they stayed in one place. And they sought to build a city for themselves, and a name for themselves. And God said, no, what you do is for me, not for you. But they did it all for themselves. And then, with a universal language, an ancient technology, man became unified in their rebellion against God. But it wasn't God's ultimate goal for mankind to be unified that way, with one language and in one place. He had other ideas. So what God did, he confounded the language, which means he created many other languages. And because the people couldn't communicate, they scattered according to their language. And the building of the temple or the tower stopped. It's interesting. God didn't destroy the tower. He just stopped the building. That's all. Chapter 3 in Genesis spoke of the introduction of sin, its destruction of the perfect creation, and even of man himself. Man was in beautiful fellowship with God. Beautiful. And when sin came in, it broke off that fellowship. But it is not in despair, because along comes Noah, that was God's move, finding a righteous man to start all over again. And then from Noah comes a line of Shem. And what happens now, it begins to narrow down to a single family, that of Terah, and then the father, and who was the father of Abraham. And we're going to begin to look at the patriarchs and how God used one particular family in this story of redemption in the Old Testament. The patriarchs and their wives and their families, they were the pioneers who paved the way for ancient Israel. Now in your notes, 
the pioneers of faith, number one, have an honored place in the New Testament. See, their story doesn't die in the Old Testament. It's revisited in the New Testament. They have an honored place. And then secondly, they are the ancestors of our faith. When God called Abraham, we're going to see the introduction of faith. Faith in a way that people never saw that before. So Genesis chapter 1 all the way to chapter 11 presents a very broad universal theme in terms similar to other ancient literatures. In other words, many of the other cultures had similar themes about the world and about God, and about creation. Uh, the patriarch, the patriarchal account actually are narrower in scope, in scope, and we're going to see that what Moses did in writing the patriarchal account, he actually challenged other ancient belief systems. Think of all the other cultures. They all had their own belief system regarding creation, and the great flood. They did have records of creation, and they did have records of the great flood. But Moses challenges those records, and Moses writes an account, which we believe to be the true account. So number one, he challenged other ancient Near East, East, East belief systems, which were creation and the great flood. Number two, when Moses wrote, he was a little different. He painted an overwhelmingly pessimistic picture of humanity's moral failure. And what was humanity's moral failure? Sin in the garden and rebellion against God. Here's the thing about the Bible. The Bible does not sugarcoat anybody's failure. Not a king, not a disciple, or an apostle, not a ruler. God's word tells it just like it is. All the others, they kind of sugarcoat it. They kind of hide the warts, so to speak. But in God's truth, he doesn't hide anything. He tells it exactly the way it happened. So from Genesis chapter 12 all the way to chapter 50, he begins to address the sin problem. God brought the great flood and the faithful line of Seth, which came through Noah. But it wasn't enough to destroy the problem of sin. Sin continued to reign. And when we enter the New Testament, it continued to reign. In our very day and age right now, it continues to reign. The faithful obedience of a single individual becomes a powerful instrument in the story of redemption in the Old Testament. Abraham is going to be the catalyst of faith. And it goes to show how often God can use one person, sometimes one man, sometimes one woman, to change everything. God doesn't need masses of people to change something. You know what he needs? One person who's faithful. That's all. Just one. And you know there are times in life when you could be that person. You could be that very person in your own little world that God can use to change some things and make some things a whole lot better than they are right now.
So to this point in the biblical account, God dealt with his ruined creation on a universal scale. Despite God's redemptive aims, neither the massive flooding nor the dispersion stemmed the tide of evil in the world. It didn't. Evil is evil. And as long as the devil's here, there will be evil. And that's why, like Tyler said, man, you need that shield of faith to do what? Extinguish the fiery dots of the evil one. Because what are those fiery dots? Those fiery dots are to get you their thoughts, to get you to think against God. That's what they are, to get you to think against God. It could be thoughts of sin, or it could be thoughts of negativity, thoughts of low self-esteem, thoughts of unworthiness, thoughts of guilt, thoughts of regret, thoughts of sh whatever they are, whatever's negative, they're not of God. So we need that shield of faith. Well said, Tyler. So I want to give you tonight an introduction of faith and then an introduction to Abraham. Now, on your bookmark, you know, it's funny. When, it, when I first got saved, and maybe you did too, you thought, why don't they have all these genealogies in, in the Bible? This guy had this guy, and this guy had this guy, and this guy had this guy. But as you grow up and you mature and you start learning, you realize, oh, those are really important. And we're glad we have them. And I gave you some important genealogies in your bookmark. We have the genealogy of Abraham. It begins with Adam. Adam had Cain, Abel, and Seth. We're just mentioning the major players. Not everybody, but the major players. Okay? He had Cain, Abel, and Seth. Then Noah had Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Japheth had Ham, another Ham. Shem had Shad, which some of these guys we never hear about. We don't know what they did. God saw fit not to record their stories. Shelah, Eber, Peleg, Ru, Serub, Nahor. But see, then we get to Terah. And that's a good one. You know why? Because Terah is the father of Abram. Abram became Abraham. He had Ishmael and he had Isaac. Isaac became the father of Esau and Jacob. And Jacob, who became Israel, was the father of the 12 tribes of Israel. So we see that you can trace back these genealogies, and you know what you have? The story of redemption in the Old Testament. It began with Noah and went to Shem, and went to Terah, and went to Abraham, and went to Isaac, and it went to Jacob, and it went to the 12 tribes of Israel. And all that set the stage. Why? Because God said that the Messiah would be born from the tribe of Judah. So we go back 4,000 years, and we see that, ooh, the tribe of Judah had to be created in order for the Messiah to come, to atone for the sins of the world. And that tribe came through Jacob, who came through Isaac, who came through Abraham, who came from Terah, who came from Shem, who came from Noah, you see? And once you understand these things, I don't know about you, but I find it very interesting to be able to see the family tree.
and how God worked all of these people. It's a line of faith. And how he used all of these people to bring us to actually where we are with Christ. Without these people and their faithfulness, there wouldn't have been a Messiah. So you see, it takes faithful people to accomplish the plan of God. And God is still working. He's working today, in this century. And you know what he uses? Faithful people. And you can be used by God in a phenomenal way. Just be faithful. That's all. Be faithful to God and the call that's on your life. Forsake the world. The world's going to hell. It's going to go to hell with the rest of the devil and his demons. You forsake it. And you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And I'll tell you what. God can use you in an incredible way according to his plan. So question. Why is the genealogy so important? It's the story of redemption in the Old Testament. This is how the story unfolds. So in that bookmark, I'd encourage you, keep it in your Bible. Look at it every once in a while. Try to memorize the important characters line upon line. Know who beget who. And it leads us all the way to Abraham, who we're going to see is the father of our faith. Or we could call him the father of the faithful. That's you and me, the father of the faithful. Okay? Now, the meaning of his name. Originally, he was named Abram. That means exalted father. Huh. He didn't have any kids. Huh. He didn't have any kids, and his name was Abram. Exalted father. Well, God's going to fix that. Because he changed his name to Abraham, which means father of a multitude. That's why God changed his name. It took upon him a different meaning. He went from having no kids to hundreds of millions of kids. Not biologically, but spiritually. The faithful are the children of Abraham. In Genesis chapter 17, verse 5, God said to him, No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. And we're going to see how that worked in Abraham's life. Now, surprisingly, we know very little about the first 75 years of Abraham's life. Abraham was, Abram was 75 years old when God called him. Never think you're too old to be called by God. He was 75. He's introduced rather suddenly at 75 as a leading character in the story of redemption. Now I gave you a map and it shows Abraham's journey if you notice, he began in Ur of the Chaldees. That wasn't far from Shinar, where they built the Tower of Babel, and we saw last time. Then he went north to Haran. God called him out of Haran to Canaan. And you can see Canaan as he traveled southwest. And you see him there. That's the land of Canaan, which is just south of Jerusalem. So that's, that's the journey of Abram. Okay? Now let's pick it up 
in Genesis chapter 12 in your Bibles and verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. In other words, go from Haran to Canaan. I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. Well, what a great feeling that is, isn't it? When you know that you're a blessing to someone else. The smallest thing, and you can be a blessing to another person. <laughs> he was a great blessing to the world. Verse 3. Notice, I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you, I will curse. You know, through Abram, what do we have? Israel, right? You know that promise holds true? I believe that is why God has favored the United States of America, because we have blessed Israel. And we have to be so careful, because we have a new government that doesn't seem to want to bless Israel. And I think if we stop being an ally to God's Israel, then we could stop losing some of God's protection ourselves. Because he said, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. Though we know it was made to Abram, Israel was a descendant. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So there's something about this one man. God is going to do something through one man, just like he did with Noah. Through one man, God saved mankind. Through one man, Abraham, God is going to introduce something in a way people never understood before. Faith. Faith and the promises of God. We don't have many promises before we get to Abraham. Promises means I've got to trust the promiser. That's what that means. I've got to trust the one that's making the promise. And Abraham is our candidate that teaches us how to trust God. So if you look at the root, Ur of the Chaldeans to Haran, and then from Haran to Canaan, it was an indirect route. It followed the rivers rather than go straight across the vast desert. Can you see the shortcut? If you went straight across the desert, they would have got there a whole lot faster, but a very treacherous and a very dangerous journey. So they follow the river north and they follow the river south, and it seemed to be a better journey. Now, Abraham was a successful and wealthy person. That's another thing to his credit. You know, you get a wealthy guy, and sometimes they're so settled in their life, they're like, oh, God, I'm okay. It's almost like, God, don't rock the boat. I'm doing okay. I'm happy. I got everything I want. Don't rock the boat. You know, there's a lot of people like that today, and they're not even wealthy. They get everything they want. They don't want God to rock the boat. It's like, leave me alone. I'm happy, I'm healthy, I've got everything, I've got all my stuff. God, I'm okay. And I've, had, I've witnessed the people and, sh and explained to them what the gospel can do and how it can fill your life and, and give you joy. And you know some of the responses I get? I'm glad it works for you. 
That's what I hear. I'm glad it works for you, but I'm okay. You know what? They're not okay. No one is okay without Christ. No one. I don't care who you, who you are, who you know, what you do, what you have. No one's okay without Christ. It takes Christ in your life to be okay. And only when he's in his life will you ever start to be okay. So I give a lot of credit to Abram because he was wealthy. His father owned a big company. They made idols. Oh, people were into idols those days. They loved to worship their idols. They loved to put them up on shelves. They put them outside their houses. Maybe they'd keep away evil spirits. Maybe they would worship those idols. Idols were very big in those days, and they made a lot of money making idols. So Abram was very well off, and God shows up. And God says, you know what, Abram? I want you to walk away. I want you to leave it all. I want you to leave your city. I want you to leave your home. I want you to leave your relatives. I want you to leave your family business. And I want you to go that way. Well, where am I going? I'll tell you when you get there. How'd you like those directions? I'll tell you when you get there. Well, what's it going to be like? You'll know when you get there. Now, is that faith or not? That's faith. I'm leaving my income. I'm leaving my friends. I'm leaving my family. I'm leaving my home. I'm leaving everything I'm used to, everything I know, my favorite bakery, my favorite weenie joint. I'm leaving it all. And I'm going to a place where I don't even know where I'm going. And everybody's going to think I'm crazy on top of that. And I'm 75 years old. You know, it could have been like, God, can't you find a 20-year-old? I'm 75, but God took him. Abraham had one unfulfilled dream. He had everything he wanted, but one dream that was not fulfilled. He was childless. He had no kids. He was childless. And you know, as God often does, he deals with people at the point of their pain. So maybe he understood how Abram felt not having any children. And God could say, you know what, Abram? And he took him out. And he said, you see the stars? Yeah. Your children will be numbered like the stars. You'll have so many children, you can't even count them. And like, again, not biological, but children of faith. And I wonder if that really resonated with Abram. Because God will do that. Remember the woman at the well? Jesus touched her at the point of her pain. He said to her, go call your husband. She said, I don't have any husbands. He said, I know. You had five. And now you're living with a guy. And you know, when he said you had five, I'm sure that was like <clears throat> a dagger right in the heart. Five failed marriages for whatever reason. I don't know. But five attempts at marriage and they all failed. And maybe she just gave up on marriage and said, hey, I'll just live with a guy. No commitment. I'll just live with the guy. I think that was a point of pain for her. And Jesus touched her right there. But he got her attention. And I think he did that with Abram. And he got his attention. And maybe that's the thing that really moved Abram to believing and trusting 
and God. So from the beginning, God had made Abraham two promises. Number one, he promised him land, a lot of land. He even said it's going to be a land flowing with milk and honey, not literally, but a land of prosperity. It's going to give him a beautiful land. And then he also promised him descendants. Two things, land and descendants. Now, let's take a look at a brief summary of Abraham's life. His father died in Haran. That's where they had the factory. Number two, Abram was left with his wife. His nephew, Lot, who went with him, that caused some trouble later on. And a few other servants and family members, and that was it. Packed up the wagons and psh, off they went. Thirdly, like we saw, he had no children. And fourthly, God called him out of his home and people to an unknown land, unknown land and begin life anew. Start from scratch. You know, when you start something from scratch, it can be pretty scary. You move to a new city, that can be scary. Start a new job. Maybe your relationships fell apart and you're going off and starting all over again. There are some scary things. Not scary, scary, but like where you feel like, okay, is this going to work out, you know? That could be where Abraham was when you start life anew. But the point of Abraham's story, the thing that we really want to understand is Abraham's faithfulness along the way. That's the key. This is an introduction to faith. Because you know what? Hebrews 11.6, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And Abraham is such an inspiration as well as an example. If you think about the depth of his trust toward God, that he did leave everything, packed it all up, said, God, I believe you. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. Abraham didn't see too much, but he trusted God. And now he becomes the father of our faith. What do you think? You think you could have the same faith of Abraham? I think you could. It's a matter of trust. Believing, believing in God so much that we actually put all of our trust in him. And you know how you know if you put trust in him? You act on it. That's what we do. We act on our trust. Hey, you want to hear the rest of the message? I do. Go to the YouTube channel. Click in New Hope Church, Swansea. you see a big icon with three crosses. Click on that. Then go to Playlist and click on Created Playlist. Scroll down to the series, The Story of Redemption in the Old Testament. And we're on the faith of Abraham. Let's build our faith. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God. The more you hear, the more you believe, the more you act on it. Tell you what, makes all the difference in the world. <laughs>